Marshall. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's going on, man? Oh, not a lot. Just have a cat in my lap and she's like clawing into my thigh. Not not <laughs> ideal, but there's dogs barking outside, so my dog's staring at me like, why aren't you letting me out there to <laughs> go bark at them? The party is obviously outside. Yeah, for sure. So how many cats do you have? We just have the one. My uh, fiance has been pushing for at least one more pretty much since we got the one, but I've, I've stood firm so far. I've never lived with a cat. So that, that's just a foreign, that's just a foreign idea. And I know nothing about them. <laughs> it's, it's cool. Cause uh, like, I don't know, you can, I feel like you can leave them um, yeah. easier and uh, they kind of do their own thing from time to time, which is, is nice. They are more self-sufficient. Like we almost had to cancel our trip to uh, the Dominican because we couldn't find a dog sitter for a little while. That was, that was fun, but we found one eventually before we left. So yeah, they're way, they're way more self-sufficient. Um, wanted to ask you just un- kind of unpack your notebook from Big 12 Media Days and we can even discuss, you know, things you've written about it, whatever, kind of whatever direction you want to take that. Um, the CSA get, I just kind of want to talk about like, where do, where do you rank OSU now? Like, their roster is freaking me – me and Brian King were breaking it down the other day. Like, how's Boynton even going to play all these guys? Yeah. Like, it like was, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that was a question before CSA, I feel like, even got there. Yeah, you know? like, guys, like, I forget who you were on the roster, like Donovan Williams. Like, how's he going to get on the floor? Yeah. How's Isaac likely going to get on the floor? <laughs> like, things like that. Like, we were listing all the guys that should play, and then we hadn't even mentioned likely yet. We're like, damn. <laughs> The guy who's like all Big Twelve. <laughs> okay, so that and then um, what else did I have? What else did I text you about? I can't remember anything um, else. Media days. I think I, that was it. Keontae George. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyton's going after this dude now. What, what year is he? Is he twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three? Yeah, he's twenty twenty two. Okay. Yeah, so that that'll kind of probably be the the follow up to what Boynton's been doing or maybe maybe we'll start with that and then get to see say and just the team outlook that'll, that'll be good sounds good okay I think we're already it already yelled at me that we're recording are you ready I'm ready okay here we come in three two one we are back at it welcome back to another edition of the pistols firing podcast I am Carson Cunningham Colby Powell is vacationing in Washington DC with his mom I'm sure he's checking out the uh the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, and just hanging out in D.C. at some point this week. So joining me instead is Marshall Scott, the owner-operator of PistolsFiringBlog.com. Marshall, uh, are you rested up after a, a busy couple of days in Dallas for Big 12 Media Days? Uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, the, the trip down there. I've, I've got an Audible subscription now, so that, that kept me engaged. I, I did hit rush hour right when I got down there though. So after like the, the three hour drive down there, I, it felt like I was in traffic for another three hours while I was like 15 minutes from my hotel. So, but, but yeah, nice and rested. And uh, it, it was a fun trip. Don't podcasts just make road trips infinitely more faster. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I, I like thinking back in the day, a, like how people navigated things without like Google maps, like with an, an actual <laughs> hardcover map. Like, I don't know how that happened. And then be, you know, like listening to radio commercials sometimes just it, it, it's rough. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I live in the uh, era I live in. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know any better, Marshall. When I was in college, we had to print out uh, mapquest.com directions. And if you missed like one step of that and got on like the wrong highway, you were just totally screwed and had to like stop at a gas station and ask for help. I think that was like the only way we could get anywhere back then. Yeah, I feel I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe it. I rely on it too much. Like, Hey, if I just look at this sign and says, you know, like when I'm coming back up to Stillwater, you know, in, in Oklahoma city, you look for signs that say Wichita and things like that. And it's like, Hey, I could probably do this, but, but I don't really want to test it out. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I I've kind of gone into the same mode and I always, I always feel like I'd be rude if I, like when I, like for instance, me and my fiance, we were driving to Grand Lake last week and I kind of wanted to just listen to a podcast instead of like hold a conversation and listen to, uh, you know, the radio. But uh, I couldn't, I couldn't be that rude. I couldn't just dive into my, my Stitcher account and start banging out podcasts. So yeah, I, I'm going, I'm going back, me and my fiance, we're going back down to uh, DFW for a concert this weekend. And uh, 
you know, she's like, well, I can drive. And I was like, okay, well, I can't, like, I'm almost done with this book I've been listening to. But, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll Just figure tell that her, out. We tell go. her you're still like transcribing quotes from, uh, from Big Club Media Days. That'll, <laughs> that'll get her. She won't know Transcribing the and driving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we appreciate Marshall joining us. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We're now like 44 days away from football season. And you got you to gotta get the latest gear. I mean, I, I thought the OSU guys looked great. At uh, Big Told Media Days, they had the Curse of Cowboys polos on. So go get you a fresh game day polo over at Chris's University Spirit. You know where it is, right there on, on campus. And we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast. I can't wait to get to Chris's. I haven't been in Stillwater in so long for a game. I, I can't even remember the last time I was there. So I'm, I'm fired up to get down to Chris's and, and head to Boom Pickens Stadium for the first time in a long time. But uh, Marshall, so you were at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, obviously Gundy's hair became a topic for un some unbeknownst reason again, but just, I want to kind of like lay it out for you or lay, lay open the floor for you. Just kind of open up your notebook. What did you take away from it? It could be big 12 related, uh, certainly Oklahoma state related as well. Just what are some of your main takeaways that you, that you had? Yeah. I didn't really even notice the hair until people started asking about it and he got like questions at every stop he made. Um, so I was like, yeah, I guess it is a little bit shorter, but did he have a mullet last year? Um, I think so. But I think at one point it did start like about where it is right now. Like, I think it's, I think it's going to be back. So like, I think it's just kind of, uh, in its baby form right now, but I think, you know, midway through the season, I think it'll be, I think it'll be, but back it wasn't, it, was. it wasn't like the Billy Ray Cyrus we saw two years ago where it was like down his back. Yeah. I think it was a little more tamed uh, yeah. last year, but okay. also it was all on TV. So maybe we didn't see him as, I don't know. I don't know. So what, besides the hair, I mean, yeah. what, what was kind of your, your biggest, uh, I guess let's, let's start with OSU. I mean, Spencer Sanders was there. Gundy talked a lot about him. Was that kind of like the main, the main talking point for Oklahoma state and kind of your main notebook was revolving around Spencer? Yeah, for sure. You know, the, you know, a lot of people have just said, you know, for really the last two years that this team is kind of going to go how Spencer Sanders goes. Um, and so Gundy saying that he developed more in the two months of uh, spring ball than he did in his first two years. I think that should be really telling to where, you know, they, they think that he's going to, you know, kind of take that next step and, and maybe uh, diminish some of those turnovers. So I think that that was really what, what interested me probably the most was that it, it seems like Oklahoma State's kind of got a guy. And at one point, Gundy said, you know, like, um, you know, what's it going to take to get back to Jerry World for the Big 12 championship game? And he said, you know, a lot of times it comes down to quarterback play. And he said, I hate to put that pressure on him, but that's just how it is. And I don't <laughs> think he would necessarily put that pressure on him if he didn't think that he could handle it. Um, so I, I think that, you know, all – all the telltale signs are kind of there that, that Spencer Sanders is kind of ready to take that next step. And, you know, you and Colby have talked about, you know, this is his first year with the same quarterback coach, the same offensive coordinator that he's had. Obviously he didn't have spring ball last year because of the pandemic. So I think if there was a time that, that he was going to develop um, to where OSU fans think he should be, I think it would be, you know, this off season. So I think that was probably the main OSU takeaway. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez, he weighs 235 pounds now. He came in his freshman year, he was listed at like 205. Um, so he looks like a bowling ball. Um, you and well, let me uh, let me stop you there. Let's, let's, I want to address Spencer, and I, I, I'm with you. And I, Malcolm Rodriguez is jacked. I want to talk about him too. But I, I have been impressed the point you made there about you know because. Let's let's face facts here. Spencer was up and down last year. They basically benched him in the biggest game of the year in Bedlam. I mean, they, they can talk about how he was injured. If it was a head injury, he wouldn't be able to come back in the game. Clearly, they just wanted to settle him down, get Illingworth in there. Illingworth had some success early, so they kept him in there until he was ineffective. They essentially benched him in the most important game of his career. But I have been impressed with the vote of confidence Mike Gundy has given so far. He, he brings Spencer Sanders to media day. Didn't have to do that. And Mike knew, like, that, that quote about Spencer in the first two months. Um, you know, Mike knew that was going to be at the big podium with the entire media contingent listening. And he wanted to make that point. So he's given him two huge votes of confidence because I think they really could have come into this year, Marshall, and said, you know what? We're opening it up. Spencer, you've, you've made a lot of mistakes in your career. You've thrown a lot of interceptions. This is an open competition. And they haven't done that. They've, they've, they've really put the ball in Spencer's court and he, he is the guy. And I think it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty impressive sign for Spencer that, that Mike Gundy has given him this big a vote of confidence. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, in kind of in like past years in the Drew Brown year where it was, you know, maybe Spencer, maybe it's Drew Brown. And even in the the corndog year, you know, they said corndog was a quarterback, but it, it kind of just felt in the back of the mind, like, you know, maybe, you know, Drew Brown or Spencer comes along. Um, so I think that this is, feels like the first time, I guess last year it was the same where Spencer is the guy, you know, it's not like they're going to be splitting reps or something like that. And I think that that could be really beneficial for them and and that, you know, he's not maybe, you know, he's, Shane Illingworth, he did have some success last year. So I think it's good that they're not, you know, really allowing for Spencer to have to look over his shoulder quite yet. Um, you know, he had a really good bowl game. He's shown flashes of brilliance throughout his career. But then, you know, there are like the the Texas Tech games is, I think his, his redshirt freshman year where he threw like four interceptions. It's like, if you could get more of the good and less of the bad, then I think, you know, Oklahoma State's got a really good quarterback on their hands. It's just a matter of kind of finding out whether that is possible. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a big year, and I think it's the right call by Gundy to just hand the reins over. You know, Gundy's talked for so long about how it takes 20 games for a quarterback to truly reach his potential and become the quarterback he can be. Well, Spencer's now played 20 games. It, it's time. You know, I was I was very critical that he didn't play more that corn dog season uh, because of that. I thought they they should have got him to the 20 game benchmark before last year. When, when they had Hubbard and Wallace, that was really primed to be the year. That's why I was so critical of playing corndog the entire year and taking every single snap. And so that, that's water under the bridge. Gundy now has him at tw- that 20-game benchmark, and it's, it's put up or shut up time for Spencer. He knows it. Uh, Mike Gundy knows it. That's why Gundy <laughs> didn't pull any punches by saying, look, it's, it comes down to quarterback play. And that, that is something we've seen in Big 12 play. This conference is, is much different than a conference like the SEC where you can win with defense and running the football. Like you have to have elite quarterback play in this conference. I mean, just look at every single big 12 championship game or champion has had one, the, the, the best quarterback or the second best basically. So he's, he's not wrong about that, but, but tell me more about, about Malcolm Rodriguez. He, I, Marshall, I don't know if there's a more perfect player in my opinion that sums up Mike Gundy's, program at Oklahoma State than a Malcolm Rodriguez. Underheralded, a, th- a two-star, three-star, whatever he was, playing safety. They move him to linebacker. Great talent evaluation. He becomes an all-Big 12 player. That, to me, is how Mike Gundy has built Oklahoma State football into what it is today, is his talent evaluation, taking guys that weren't four- and five-stars and turning them into a four- and five-star, as Mike Gundy likes to say. So that there's not a more perfect Mike Gundy recruit and player that I can think of than, than a Malcolm Rodriguez. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, I wrote about this a few weeks ago. I think you and Colby might've talked about it, but he's kind of on pace this year to, to break into the top five um, in program history and tackles, which hasn't been done since like the eighties. I, I think, I think that top five list has been unchanged since somewhere in the eighties. Um, of course he's got the extra year, but there, there's not as many tackles to be made. I, I would argue, you know, of how football is played nowadays, but yeah, he, he looked, he looked big, you know, his, thighs were you know the size of me um <laughs> he, he he really looked big he he handled you know he, sometimes in, in media settings he's he's not the greatest but he kind of seemed more relaxed seemed uh whenever he by the time he got to us I, I guess maybe it was um different elsewhere but he seemed more relaxed um seemed like he was having a good time and and yeah you know this is it's kind of he he's now the heartbeat of that that linebacking core with with Amen Ongbong Bamiga um going out he's going to be alongside Devin Harper who's kind of going to be a first time starter so um, yeah, he's, I wouldn't even say exciting cause you kind of know what you're getting with him, but, but it is exciting that, you know, he's up to, you know, a, a thick linebacker kind of weight where, you know, for the last few years, we've kind of looked at him as a, a hybrid safety guy that, that kind of moved down. So I'm excited to see what he can do with his new size. Um, obviously got to give some credit to Rob Glass there as well, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Malcolm Rodriguez can do this year. Well, that, that tells you how productive he's been. If he's going to break into the top five, that hasn't been done since the 80s because this is probably before your time, but Andre Sexton, who played at Oklahoma State, he started, I think, every game available over his four years. I think he played in every single game over his four-year career as like a, from a fr- true freshman through, through his senior year, and he didn't break into there, and he was a really good player. So that tells you just how productive – Malcolm's been over his time. So who's going to be the starting linebackers? You got Malcolm. You said Devin Harper's moving in there with, with yeah. Eamon moving on. Is, is so, so is Harper in the middle? 
What's the what's um, the linebacker core look like? So they just have they just uh, Jim Knowles system just calls for for two really. Sometimes they'll put um, like a Calvin Bundage out as essentially a defensive end and have him rush in. But yeah, it'll it'll mainly be uh, Devin Harper, Malcolm Rodriguez. I believe Mason Cobb, who was a freshman last year, um, he should also get some run. And, and uh, Malcolm mentioned a couple other guys that are slipping my mind now. But the main two guys there will be Devin Harper and, and Malcolm. So that's that's interesting. And, and I think this is one thing that we're not used to at media days. And frankly, I didn't think a lot of people – it didn't seem like to me it was a big talking point in that Oklahoma State has – arguably the best defense in the big 12 you can certainly put them right up there with oklahoma and iowa state in my opinion and it just seems like everyone just latches on to spencer sanders and like that's how the season will go and i and i've been saying that he is their ceiling their ceiling will go as he goes for sure but i don't think people are giving oklahoma state enough credit for games they won last year with their defense with malcolm rodriguez and and gosh, the, the safeties they have coming back, Trey Sterling, Har- Colby Harvell Peel, they're going to be legit on defense. And that's something, Marshall, for it felt like for about 10 straight years, every media day, we'd say, oh, she's gonna be great on offense. But man, that defense, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're gonna, it'll stop anybody. And here we are in the year 2021. And now it's a strength. It's, it's for the old heads, Marshall, this is a uncharted territory. Yeah, I think one thing to look at, like they released the uh, what it wasn't the Budkiss Ford. What was the uh, the defensive? Benaric. Yeah, Benaric. they they released uh, the Maxwell and the Benaric, um watch list yesterday. Oklahoma State didn't have a guy on the Maxwell, which is given to the the best offensive player in college football. Um, they did have two guys on the Benaric <laughs> watch list in, in Malcolm Rodriguez and uh, shoot, oh, Colby Harrell Peel. So, so yeah, I think, but I do think kind of a question mark going in is going to be that second corner spot um obviously Rodarius Williams he essentially took away a side of the field last year so that's going to be on it maybe it's Christian Holmes it's probably Christian Holmes maybe it's Corey Black um entering his sophomore year um but but I think that'll be a big point of contention because you know having a guy take away literally a side of the field take away the best um receiver on the other team um that that covers a lot of if there are any holes that certainly covers them up so um, I, I think that'll be kind of a crucial spot. Um, you know, Jarek Bernard Converse, he'll probably move over and kind of be that main corner guy. Um, and then it's more of a matter of, hey, can Christian Holmes or can Corey Black or can Jabbar Muhammad uh, kind of fill in that that secondary corner role? Yeah, there's questions. There's there's always players to, to replace, which was so great about Harville Peel and, and Sterling and, and Rodriguez coming back. That That really, I thought, elevated – uh, the, the defense this year and just elevated really what Oklahoma state can become. So would you rank Oklahoma state third Marshall? I know mean, Texas got ranked ahead of them in the, in the preseason poll. Is that, is that where you would have put OSU? Yeah. Especially cause you know, Texas, it, it seems like Casey Thompson's going to be good, you know, just based off of that bowl game performance. Um, but with a, a coaching change with a new quarterback, I, I couldn't rank, you know, Texas ahead of Oklahoma state just with all the things Oklahoma state has coming back. So yeah, I, I probably would have put them third as, as well. Yeah, I like it. Any other Big 12 takeaways being down in Dallas? What was kind of the vibe down there? What was kind of just your feel for, for the Big 12 at large being down there? Yeah, so it was, I don't know, the, I, I hardly got to pay attention to the first, uh, you know, couple of coaches because I knew that, you know, Musa Sise, who we're going to get to in a little bit, I knew he was about to commit. And I was kind of, he said, he broadly said that he was going to commit on ESPN. Um, so, you know, I'm refreshing every channel I have, refreshing like their, the website. Yeah, come on, Moose. So we got yeah. like six ESPNs these days. We got ESPN yeah. Plus and everything. So I didn't get to pay a whole lot of attention, honestly, to the, to the first few coaches that went. Um, but one thing that I did just find hilarious um, was that Kansas was unable to make it down because of weather. Um, so there were, there were actually. Oh, yeah, I read that. What, like, was it rain? Like, was it thunderstorm or what? I believe so, but apparently that this thunderstorm has been on like the radar for. There were like literally Kansas reporters down in Dallas, um, zooming with you know the Kansas football team back in Lawrence. Oh my! Um, but yeah, so apparently the 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 radar had been on, or the the storm had been on the radar for a while now, and they they didn't really adjust plans, couldn't get out uh, that Thursday, I believe it was morning. Um, so then you just had a bunch of KU reporters like standing in line for a zoom it, it was a weird it was a weird ordeal but it was very kansas it was so that was yeah nobody wants to talk to them anyway yeah that was i thought that was funny obviously the horns down thing's always kind of a 
a big ordeal, but as you kind of mentioned, it's, it feels like old news. Um, but as you and Colby kind of talked about it, it's weird that, you know, the, the, it's probably a foul. If this happens, it's probably not a foul. If this happens, like that doesn't, that doesn't make too much sense. And I wonder if like, just because, you know, like the, it, it is an iconic kind of hand sign, but like all of these programs, Oklahoma state has a hand sign. TCU has their weird peace sign inverted thing. You know, the Baylor has like the bear claw thing. Like if, if you showed a, a TCU sign down, is that a penalty? Like uh, right. probably not because nobody would know really what you're doing, but um, I don't know. That That's just a, a whole ordeal. A lot of the, uh, the official, his, um, the head of officials, his kind of presentation was interesting. Not going to allow shirts to, to come out of the bottom of jerseys anymore. Um, good thing that Cam Murray, who was on the defensive line for Oklahoma State last year, good thing he's gone because he hardly wore a jersey um, at all last season. He had it like tucked <laughs> into his shoulder pads. So um, found that kind of interesting, but but not a lot of takeaways. You know, Big 12 Media Days, it's, it's fun going into it because it kind of feels like football is there, but it's really the things that you've known about these teams kind of for a while now, you know, we've, we've known Oklahoma was going to be good. We've known Iowa state was going to be good with all the guys they have coming back. Um, we knew Texas had all that turnover. So, um, nothing, nothing just kind of caught my attention drastically. I'd say. Can Oklahoma state make it to Jerry world this year? I think they could. I think it's obviously going to be really hard. Cause I think for the first time in a while, it does feel like Iowa state's really the, the definitive kind of number two in the conference. Um, so I, I think for the first time in a while that there are two, you know, two teams ahead of the rest where as in years past, it was maybe just like Oklahoma and then a clump of teams that you say, Hey, one of these guys is probably going to make it out. So, um, I, I think it is possible. Um, it's going to come down to those games against Texas, against, um, Iowa state. And then you and Colby have talked about this. They can't lay an egg that first, uh, big 12 game as kind of Mike Gundy's kind of fallen into the habit of weird um, right yeah especially with it being against kansas state which is just a team that you know historically will kind of grind you out and that's a that's a scary first game for a, a team that struggles in first games and i don't think people like clearly iowa state i think is better on paper to start the year than oklahoma state just they returned everybody from a really good team last year but mike gundy is four and five against matt campbell he did beat iowa state last year i mean he does kind of have Matt Campbell's number. I know he has to go to Ames, but I, I do think that that game to me is a Big 12 championship game eliminator when Oklahoma State goes to Ames. Yeah, you just kind of hope that Oklahoma State doesn't pull an Oklahoma State and kind of lay an egg somewhere else before that game happens. But yeah, that's obviously going to be one that's that's kind of circled on the calendar. I'm kind of trying to see where it is at in the calendar. So they would have already played Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas. So... Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Texas game, that's going to be kind of interesting. You, you would think, right, you would think they should beat Kansas State at home. They should beat Baylor at home. And then they go to Austin, to Iowa State, back-to-back -back weekend. So that, Is it just that, a rule now they play Texas and Iowa State in back-to-back -back weeks? Is that I just, don't know. Is that just it's the rule weird. now? It's <laughs> weird that they're both away, too. So they're, they're going from, you know, one of them, probably the most northernmost team in the Big 12 to is Austin – yeah, Austin's probably yeah, Austin's, the southernmost team. So. Austin's past Waco for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a tough stretch that they'll they'll have there. But then when they get through that, they have Kansas for homecoming. So then that that's when you get to take. Uh, breath, I guess. that's that's always a nice homecoming opponent, Kansas. That's that's an automatic W. So, well, that's that's football talk. We got fall camp will be starting sooner rather than later. I can't wait for uh, for football. Oh, but one more thing too. You know, Mike Gundy is really, really, really not afraid to put the spotlight on Brennan Presley. It seems like every time I've heard him speak, he goes above and beyond out of his way to, to say how good Brennan Presley is. Are you expecting just a, a huge season for him? Because it sure sounds like Mike Gundy is. Yeah, and if any, if that cheese bowl, you know, has anything to say about it, like this this will be the best, it feels like the most, I, I, I think Dylan Stoner is really good, um, but they just didn't really use the slot a whole lot. But I think right now, I think, you know, Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy kind of feel like, hey, he's our best, Brennan Presley is our best receiving option. So we're going to have to, you know, drop some some new schemes kind of to, to use the slot receiver more. Maybe since like Josh Stewart, I guess, was probably the last guy who was, you know, kind of the shorter, nimble, shifty guy that was kind of the, the wide receiver one for Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I, I, you know, he got asked, you know, how do you replace – you know, Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner, both leaving. And the first guy he mentioned was, of course, Brandon Presley. Um, but then he also went ahead and said, hey, Tay Martin's going to be 
um, really good for Oklahoma State. And you and Colby mentioned that, you know, he was just out of shape last year. I also kind of find that a little bit hard just, to believe. That, couldn't get it, couldn't get him in shape. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't run wind sprints. I mean, he's just, he's just laying on the couch all season. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited to, to Brandon Pres- for Brandon Presley. And, you know, obviously he's just a sophomore. So that makes it even all the more fun. And I'm not sure when exactly he'll project to, to be an NFL player. So he could be around for, for a really long time. And I think that, he'll kind of be one of the the favorites of Oklahoma State fans for year, years to come. Well, I can't wait. I, I totally agree. I can't wait for his little brother to get there too. I think he's going to be just pure electricity once he gets on the field. I, I can't wait for, for practices to start so you can get a better feel for this. But I just – I hope, Marshall, the offense resembles what we saw at the end of the year against Baylor and in the bowl game far more than what we saw at the beginning of the year with and certainly in that bedlam game which was just an atro- a coaching atrocity do you think the the offense will be a little bit more open just for anything you've, you've gleaned so far or is it gonna you have to wait till till fall camp starts to truly really get a feel for it um i think it's something well if they if spencer has taken these steps <clears throat> you would feel like that would allow them to kind of open things up a little bit more and obviously some of their struggles last year had to do with the offensive line um you know baylor whenever they played baylor they the baylor was riddled with covid um, whenever they played Miami, both of their, you know, superstar edge rushers um, decided to skip the game. So yeah, first the round offensive, picks, you know. Yeah, so the offensive line wasn't as stressed, I would say, during those games. Um, so I think a lot of it's going to come down to the offensive line. They feel really good about Danny Gudlewski, the transfer center that they've got in. Obviously, Josh Sills is going to be a major player. Um, and then they've got, you know, those those young guys that, as Gundy said, Epic 12 Media Days took their butt whoopings last year. Um, so hopefully, you know, those guys come back bigger, stronger. Um, you and Colby talked about uh, Caleb BTN, who, who I asked Gundy about, and, you know, he talked about how big he was and how he thought that how uh, Joe Bob thought he was a coach. So um, <laughs> things, things look better in that area, and, but I think that's going to be obviously a huge determining factor in it. Um, but I would say that things should be opened up more, you know, you've got Brendan Presley in as a slot guy um, that, that should take away, you know, you and uh, Colby talked about, you know, keeping the, the cowboy back in the backfield and it kind of cluttering things up. Um, you'd think, you know, using more slot guys, they, they move Braden Johnson to the slot, who I think they also have a pretty high ceiling on. So maybe there's, you know, a lot more four receiver sets. Um, Tay Martin getting used more. They've got all these running backs. So I, I think that it should be more fun offense this year. Um, I'm not sure how much last year can be, really be blamed on Casey Dunn or Mike Gundy just because of all the offensive line struggles they had. Yeah, I I – I love the idea of all of this, but I just, I just know Logan Carter, Logan Carter is going to like lead the team in snaps. That's just, yeah. <laughs> that's my fear, which I like Logan Carter. I think he's a good player, but again, I just, I think they got to open things up a little more and use more four four wide receiver sets. Cause that's, that's OSU football. That's, that's how they had success at the end of the year. And that's what they should be doing. That's, that's their bread and butter. So hopefully we can see that. And I, I probably would have thought Caleb ATN was like a professional wrestler just in town. At six eight three fifty, I don't know how many coaches are six eight three fifty. I don't, I don't know why yeah. Joe Bob thought that. I thought it was like like Shaq or somebody was there. Yeah, that it, I could only because Gundy said that they were so it was at a um, a mini camp that they had. Um, Gundy said that he and the other coaches they were on the opposite side from from where the entrance is, <laughs> and then they just see like kind of the shadow uh, like walking in and, and going over them, and you know. Gundy said, "Like no, that that's Etn. He he plays for us." And he said that Joe Bob just like tossed his head back in mouth mouth thank you kind of to the heavens. Um, <laughs> that that guy was on their team. So yeah, they and Spencer Sanders. He said that you know he's not just uh, you know like a a fat you know three seventy or whatever he said he was, but but that he he does have some nimbleness to him. That he is pretty athletic. So you know I, I haven't been this excited I'd say for an offensive line prospect just because you know he is this big. He's kind of got this this folklore around him already, but. But yeah, that should that should be exciting. I'm envisioning like the shadow from like Independence Day that just kind of starts creeping up on everything. That's like what I picture Etienne walking into the practice facility. And I, I wonder if Spencer could even see over the dude on, on the left side of the line. If he's, he's gonna play, is he gonna play left tackle? Um, he should be playing left tackle. It's uh, I don't know. There's maybe Jake Springfield like holds it down. Like maybe if Caleb Etienne just can't move, you know. But yeah. it, it, he'll have it an feels adjustment like to make. Be. I mean, he hadn't played. He didn't play last year in uh, the junior college ranks because of COVID. So he's, he's going to have to, he's going to have to get in shape. You got to get in shape, Marshall. You got to run, run some wind sprints, Rob Glass. Uh, another reason you'll like him is that he's from Warren Easton high school in Louisiana, the same high school of Tyron Johnson. 
So, oh, so he's got some swag to him then. Yeah, even, you know, even better. Maybe he he probably speaks English, but it's probably English that like we don't fully comprehend. That, that Cajun, that Cajun's tough, man. Yeah, there were times yeah. that Tyron Johnson was talking directly to me, and I was like, I have no idea what you just said. But <laughs> that Cajun is a different language. Um, I actually met Tyron's uncle. I was covering the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago, and he knew I was there to cover the game, and he, he was related to Tyron, and he had that Cajun accent as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So I can't wait for football, Marshall, but, man, I'm I'm super jacked about basketball. Let's start with Musa Cisse, and then we'll get to the, some of the Keontae George, another big fish that, that Mike Gundy's uh, – or Mike Gundy, that Mike Boynton's trying to, to reel in. So we, we all know Marshall. He's, he was the number 24 player out of high school. He had these great block rates, great defensive ratings uh, at, at Memphis. How much, though, does he elevate OSU basketball this year? Is he a guy that is going to be a difference maker for them? He, I mean, to say this like lightly, he should be. Um, you know, offensively, he really did struggle um, in his freshman year. I think he averaged six points. Um, the Memphis fans will tell you how bad he was from the free throw line. Um, it, it seems like that's all stuff that he's been working on. I think him kind of having the circuit of where he went to the G league, you know, select camp um, he was in this draft pool for so long. I, I think all of the workouts that, that he's kind of been forced to do um, should kind of help him understand what he needs to work on to get, you know, back to the NBA. Um, so I, I think his offense should kind of take a step forward in year two, but it does a lot for Oklahoma state in that, you know, he's probably going to start at center for Oklahoma state. And that then allows Caleb Boone, who is a projected draft pick in, in this next draft, to play essentially the four, which is where he'll be more projected to do so, I think, you know, as a professional. Um, it, it maybe worries you a little bit that, you know, we haven't really seen Caleb, you know, shoot many jump shots. Um, I'm kind of move. Uh, he's, he's kind of been a back to the basket kind of guy to this point. Um, but He's going to, you know, Musa Cisse is going to be a big rebounder for Oklahoma State. Obviously going to be really imposing on the defensive end uh, as a rim protector. Allows Caleb Boone to kind of work out there as well. So, yeah, I think that, you know, it's been a long time since Oklahoma State has had a dominant, like, pure center. Um, you know, Caleb Boone has been really good in the role. But I think even, like, coming out of high school, he was, like, listed as a power forward. Um, I think on Oklahoma State's roster right now, he's listed as a forward, not a center. So it's been a really long time since Oklahoma State has had a big man of this caliber. You know, a lot of people would point to why Travis Ford struggled so much in that he couldn't recruit bigs. You know, he had that, that Marcus Smart, Markel, LeBron, Nash uh, kind of trio, but they didn't really have a, a solid big presence with Michael Cobbins, you know, mostly being injured. So it, it just kind of adds an element that Oklahoma State hasn't had in a really long time. I'm really looking forward to how um, Mike kind of coaches you know, a, a big of this caliber, like a, a true center of this caliber. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting. We, I've actually kind of gotten tipped off about it. Like it, it felt like a month before it actually happened. And I was, I, I didn't believe it at first. I was like, I don't know if this is, this is true that like, cause Musa said he entered the portal in like April and he just hadn't heard much from him since then. So um, I didn't really know much of it was true. And then, and then things started kind of happening real quick there towards the end, but um, it, it, a monumental get, I think for, for Oklahoma state, just in the fact that, you know, this is going to show even future big men that, Hey, you know, Oklahoma state is a spot to go. I think Memphis is getting a lot of big men right now because you know, they had James Wiseman, they had, um, Oh, I forgot the other guy's name that came in Wiseman's class, but um, so I, I think that that kind of can be a domino effect. Um, and I think that this will be really good for Oklahoma State, not only right now, but but maybe in the future. There are a lot of guys now on Oklahoma State's roster that, you know, they only have one true, you know, senior. I, I guess that count as a scholarship and that'd be Isaac Likely next year because um, Bryce Williams scholarship won't count because of the COVID thing. Uh, but then there are a lot of guys who could, you know, Avery Anderson, he could be a draft pick. Bryce Thompson, if he has, you know, the year that he was expected to have last year, he could be a draft pick. Musa Cisse could be a draft pick. I've already mentioned that Caleb Boone, um, he, he's been on some draft radar. So, you know, this is this is really exciting that Oklahoma State could have, you know, four or five guys that that are kind of floating around on mock drafts for next season. Yeah, I mean, getting Cisse is so huge because the, the, the obvious gaping hole on the roster with a big man. Look, I, I love Big Burn. Kuma gave him some good minutes, actually played some really good defense for them in key stretches last year. But let's face facts, they, they needed a – a big man that could play big minutes and Cissé certainly looks looks to play that part and you're right like 
every single recruit now and transfer that Boynton gets, they talk about what they did with Kate Cunningham. I think he can certainly do the same thing with Cissé should he get drafted next year. Just say, hey, look, look what I did with Cissé. He was pretty limited offensively at Memphis. He did this in Stillwater. You can kind of show big men moving forward what he did with him. So it's just kind of a, a domino effect, I think, for big men as well. But I was talking with, with Brian Keating at KOC the other night, and we were just talking about when, once they got Cissé, just how loaded this roster is. And we were forgetting guys that he has to get on the floor. I mean, how is, how is Mike Boyne going to manage this roster? Because, look, you got Avery Anderson. Donovan Williams, you forget, is even on the roster, and he was a legit four-star. Rondell Walker, M.A. Moncrief, Isaac Likely, Bryce Williams, Keelan Boone, who shot the ball really well from three late in the year, Caleb Boone, obviously, Big Burn, this Woody Newton kid who just looks like the prototypical Mike Boynton recruit, just length, athleticism, Tyreek Smith, another quality big man from Texas Tech, and Bryce Thompson. That, that's a lot of dudes, Marshall. How is he going to get all these guys on the floor, and, and how do you think he'll, he'll play this lineup? I have no idea. Um, so we, we met with him. We met with Mike in, in June, I think it was, to kind of talk about the new assistants. And I kind of asked him, you know, this is more so about the guards because they had, you know, so many, you know, starting quality guards. I was like, do you worry about like, hey, how are you going to get all these guys on the floor? And he, and he said, I never worry about minutes distribution. That's just not something I'll worry about. It'll work itself out. And I was like, okay, but, but now he's also got that um, kind of same, I guess it's a good issue to have, but he's got that same issue in the front court. Um, you know, cause M.A. Moncrief, he started, you know, pretty much every game he was available for last year. Um, and now it's like, do you put him on the bench and have Caleb at the four, have uh, Musa at the five? Do you make Musa kind of earn those minutes and start Caleb at the five um, and M.A. at the four? So and, and then, yeah, Tyreek Smith, who's, you know, freakishly athletic rim protector, um, probably more of a four. And then Woody Newton, who's kind of the, the stretch four. Um, I have I have no idea what you do. I, I get asked pretty much every time Oklahoma State makes a move, like, okay, what would you project their starting roster to be? And I, I just, you know, kind of jokingly list like seven or eight guys. And I'm like, that's going to be the starting group. So I have no idea. You know, Chris Harris, he, he you know, had has, his, has had his knee um, issues these last two years. But I thought, you know, he played like six minutes last year. So this was, you know, painting with a really broad brush. But in that UT Arlington game where they were kind of like trying to find their footing, I felt whenever he got subbed in, he really kind of helped settle things down for Oklahoma State. And then obviously he got injured, um, didn't get to play anymore that season. So, you know, you have him coming back. Um, you've got, you know, Rondell Walker, Isaac Likely, Bryce Williams, who, he's, who Mike Boynton said at one point, he's like, you know, and I'm not even sure Bryce Williams is going to be able to start. So I, I would say that maybe Bryce Williams doesn't start. I don't know, Bryce Thompson, I, I would say Keelan Boone probably isn't going to start. I think your your must-starts right now are Avery Anderson, Caleb Boone, and then I think that Musa Cisse is probably going to jump in that list. It's it's hard without, you know, like seeing him interact with the team to this point. So I think those are your three must-starts. Um, I think Isaac Likely, you know, a lot of people kind of hate on Isaac Likely for his, you know, his offensive struggles, you know, as far as the jump shot goes. But I think he does so much, so much for for the team. So I think that he should be a starter. And then, you know, you just pick one of the other guys that maybe have a rock, paper, scissors tournament uh, before each game and just have them figured out that way. Well, and I, I thought Brian made a good point. This is Brian's point about just – and, again, this is a great problem to have. This is a problem Mike Boyne was wishing for when he was throwing out Trey Reeves in, in an important basketball game. And, you know, the you know the over the years they've had to throw out, you know, the Christian Sagers of the world. You know, they've had to, like, really – really go to some guys like D Mitchell they had to add to the roster just to have a body and Brian's point was they have so many long rangy athletic dudes that they're not going to worry about foul trouble they're just going to guard you they're going to foul you and make the refs call it and they're going to just guard your face off is that do you do you think Michael just start doing not like not necessarily like hockey style shift <laughs> changes where he throws on five different dudes at a time but but seriously though like throwing just waves after waves of these guys since he has all these all this depth all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, I think a couple of, it was probably more than a couple of years ago, maybe when I was in high school, but, but Kentucky had their, you know, platoon swaps. Um, I think Oklahoma State's like legitimately in a spot that they could do that this year, but yeah, you know, there was, there was a time where he had seven scholarship players on his roster. And one of those guys was, um, oh shoot. Who's the guy who ended up transferring to Vermont, Duncan DeMuth. So it's like, just the, the quick now that's turnaround. A name I, that's a name I forgot existed. Y yeah. <laughs> So he was, he was one of the seven scholarship guys on the roster. And, and now he's got this, you know, embarrassment of riches that, you know, this is, this is going to be a team that's 
should be really good defensively. Oklahoma State's kind of had to – they've kind of almost fallen into like a more of a zone team the last few years um, because of kind of foul trouble issues, especially whenever they would get down and they would kind of get Caleb Boone in foul trouble and that would kind of just unravel the whole thing. Uh, but now if you're able to have Musa Cisse, who had also had foul trouble last year, um, but, you know, you have both of those guys. Both of those guys have five fouls, so um, that should unlock a lot for them. Um, I, you know, even if they do decide to play a zone, you know, those guys standing with their arms outstretched, you know, they're going to be able to like hold hands and reach all the way across the floor. So it's, it's amazing. Just kind of the, the turnaround that Oklahoma state's had just from, you know, a few years ago, having to have open tryouts just to, to field a team to, to yeah. now they have multiple five stars on the roster. And we're talking about, you know, who of these, you know, 10 or 12 guys should be starting. Well, that's something I thought Mike did a really good job last year was was mixing it up between man and zone. And I look, I know it's it's Coach Iba and Eddie Sutton's. You know, it's they they would be upset to see a zone in Gallagher Iba, but with this length and athleticism, they kind of just just do the Syracuse thing for real with that, that that reach you mentioned. I just think they can they can really be just a terror on defense. Now, I, I will say this, Marshall, my number one concern, and it was a concern last year. You know, Kate Cunningham was really the only consistent three-point shooter they had on the team. Yeah. And where is that – like, where are they – like, they're not going to have much shooting on the floor with a lot of these lineups. Where do you think – who do you think can knock down a consistent three-point shot? I thought Keelan Boone offered that at times. Obviously, at Bryce Williams at times. But nowhere near the level of consistency that a, that a Cade had. Yeah. You know, I think – I'm I've been really high on Keelan Boone's kind of ceiling just because he's he's 6'8", he's long. Um, he rebounds well when he wants to, and obviously he can, he can shoot the three, but he's kind of been inconsistent at this point. Um, Avery Anderson, he took a big jump in his three point shot, um, between his freshman year and his sophomore year. So maybe he takes kind of a similar jump. Uh, Chris Harris is, he's kind of a chameleon, um, in in what he's able to do. Got a really high basketball IQ. Maybe he, he can kind of step up, uh, Rhonda Walker. He was kind of streaky last year from three. Um, so maybe, you know, some, some time in the gym this summer. Um, kind of locks down that consistency. And then you mentioned Bryce Williams. Maybe he needs to be a little more consistent. Bryce Thompson honestly just wasn't good from three last year, but he was playing in a, a, a strange system um, up there at Kansas. Maybe not the most comfortable of, of spots for him. So hopefully he can kind of find his touch. But yeah, it's kind of a lot of, well, I hope these guys develop a three-point shot this year. But yeah, if, if I'm playing Oklahoma State the first you know few games of the year, I'm just packing the paint and saying, hey, if you're going to beat me, you're going to you know kind of shoot the lights out from three. So that'll be interesting. You know, it, maybe, maybe this is just kind of a grinded out year for Oklahoma state and that, you know, their games end in the fifties. Um, you know, they're kind of like a, a West Virginia style team in that aspect. So I think, yeah, that's, that's the biggest question mark. You know, they need to space the floor, especially for, for a guy like Avery Anderson to kind of be at his best. They need to space the floor whenever Isaac likely has the ball. Um, they'll need to space the floor for him. But yeah, that's, that's the one, you know, big question mark with this team. Cause like, like we've mentioned, it, it seems like everything else is kind of locked up. Yeah, that's that's one of my biggest concerns for sure is the the lack of shooting they had last year and just where's it going to come from. I I forget about Chris Harris. I mean, I think he's got a decent three point shot too. It's, I'm glad you brought him up because he gets he and other guys just kind of get lost in the shuffle. I mean, Keelan Boone couldn't get on the floor last year until the very end, and even that he didn't play big minutes. So I I do wonder how how Mike's going to manage this roster. But when I look at this roster, Marshall after Baylor, I have a hard time picking anyone over OSU and just in terms of their roster. I know like apparently people are really high on Texas. Like I know, I know Chris Beard has, has really, you know, done very well in the transfer portal and some people are even going to rank Texas in like the top five, I guess, is like how high some of the basketball experts are on them. Do you think Texas will be right there with, with Kansas and Baylor and, and do you think Oklahoma state can kind of be in that discussion? Cause man, I look at their roster and uh, OSU should be, in my opinion, near the top of the, the preseason poll. Yeah, I think, I think, let's see. I, I don't think they're going to be behind Kansas, which is crazy. So I would think the furthest down that they could be would be three behind Texas and behind Baylor. But even Baylor, you know, they're losing Jared Butler. They're losing uh, Davion Mitchell. So, like, there there could be some. some yeah, kind of but they had, like, the number one recruiting class, didn't they? And they're – and they're Baylor, and I just I feel like every year Marshall OSU gets like slighted. Even like last year with Cade Cunningham, yeah. they were picked yeah. you know in the bottom half of the league. So I'm I'm probably more bullish on them than you know the the league wide voters who will probably just not be paying attention, frankly. 
Yeah. So I, I think that I would, I don't think I would put them any lower than three, which again, is crazy. Cause I think, I think they were seventh last year with Cade Cunningham, which was just kind of dumbfounding, honestly, how they weren't even put in the, the top half of the, the big 12 with, you know, the transitional kind of talent. NBA. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but Texas, they, they are going to be pretty good. They've got Courtney Ramey. Who's a guy that, that Mike Boynton, you know, he really wanted coming out of, of high school. Um, I think Andrew Jones is going to be back. So I think, you know, Texas should be good. Um, Chris Beard's done a lot of work in the transfer market as well. So I think Texas might be kind of like a, I, I guess it wouldn't be a dark horse pick, but, but I think that Texas could legitimately win the big 12 next year. Um, Baylor, as we've kind of mentioned, is pretty good, but I, I think I, I'm not sure that I'm putting, I think I might put Texas one and then I might put Oklahoma state second. This is probably Whoa. just, this is probably just crazy talk right now. This is probably, I mean, drinking the orange Kool-Aid come on, Marshall ba- Baylor's Baylor won the national championship. I know they lost their two key, their two big names, but they got the, uh, the dude with the mullet, decided to come back and not test the NBA. Like Baylor's going to be the number one pick preseason. Yeah, they should be like the Like with, with how traditional, like that kind of thing is. Yes. But I think by the end of the year, I think Oklahoma state might be competing for that. Like, I think, Oh, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to say right now. I'm definitely drinking orange Kool-Aid right now, just because of, you know, the CSA news um, because of how good Avery Anderson was at the end of the year. But you know, it's kind of even crazy that we're having this kind of discussion again, just a few years removed from them having open tryouts to to field a basketball team. So, yeah, I, I think you know three is probably a solid spot. They might end up being lower behind. Probably, you know, Kansas will probably just get some votes just because they're Kansas. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's exciting that this is even a discussion at this point. Yeah, and I, I think the the coaching factor. I think they'll they'll rank Drew and Self and probably Beard just ahead of Boynton, just based on what they, what their track records too. I think, I think those guys will get a lot of benefit of the doubt too, despite, you know, what their roster looks like. So it's exciting that we're even having this discussion because that's, that's really what Mike Boynton's been able to do on the recruiting trails. He's assembled a legit, a legit get off the bus team. Like when, when OSU gets off the bus, like that's going to look like a, like an NBA team in terms of their, their length and their athleticism and, the layup line is going to be pretty intimidating whoever they play, no matter who it is. So that's exciting. What, what Mike Boynton's done just been remarkable on the recruiting trail. And he's, he's not stopping Marshall. I mean, Keontae George, he's, he's still going after him. I've looked at rivals and two, four, seven sports, and they all are predicting him to go to Texas and play for Chris Beard. What are you hearing about him? Cause I know, I know Boynton wants him really bad. Yeah. So pretty much he, he plays on Southern assault, which is the, the AAU team that he plays for. Um, it was formerly YGC 36, which was Marcus Smart's uh, sponsored team. Um, it's the same AAU program that Oklahoma State got Isaac Likely from. Um, so there's kind of an in there, but I would say that um, Texas is probably the favorite right now. But, you know, the number four player in the class, um, he did take a visit to Oklahoma State, um, hasn't posted his pictures, which has our forum like in big questions, like why hasn't he posted the pictures of him in the Oklahoma State uniform? But but he has taken a, a visit to Stillwater. Um he he's really good um that's pretty much just the, the long and the short of it um really natural score um you know long overall really good prospect but he's really not the only one that they've you know Mike Boynton I think this 2022 class has the chance to be you know kind of like similar to the to his 2020 class with Cade Cunningham and it, you know if he could you know Keontae George would obviously be you know the quote-unquote Cade Cunningham of the class um but then you know, the other guys that he's already had on campus are, you know, Anthony Black, who's the number 40 player in the class. Um, MJ Rice, the number 22 player in the class. Aiden Shaw, the number 51 player in the class. And then Pop Isaacs, who's the number 39 player in the class, who I think Pop Isaacs really enjoyed um, his time in Stillwater. So, you know, this the, this is, I think that this could be a really good class for Oklahoma State. Scholarships will kind of be a question um, because, you know, like I said before, Isaac Likely, he's the only counting scholarship that's a senior. Uh, but then, you know, if you have this load of NBA draft picks, A, that's going to even more so make these guys want to come that, you know, Oklahoma State is a, guy, is a place that gets people in the draft. Um, so, and then B, they'll, you know, have those, those spots open. So it's, it's going to, 2022 is going to kind of be an interesting year for Oklahoma State on the recruiting trail, just because, you know, it's kind of unknown. Yeah, a, the sanctions are still out there looming, which are, is kind of just ridiculous at this point. And then B, you're not really sure how many spots are going to be available, but yeah, Keontae George, he's, he's the, uh, 
he's who I would assume to be the top option for, for Mike Boynton at this point. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem a little Texasy right now. Uh, but obviously Oklahoma state getting that visit um, is important. And then, you know, you, you can never really count Mike Boynton now with these things, you know, it, it's, it's been kind of crazy. Um, just kind of comparing whenever Mike Boynton offers like an unranked talent, like this 2022 class has kind of been kind of weird in which Mike Boynton has offered like a couple of like totally unranked guys um, here in the last few weeks. And that's just because, you know, they haven't had eyes on them with, with the pandemic. The AU season didn't, you know, go off last year. Um, but whenever Mike Boynton offers an unranked recruit, everybody's like, oh, look, he's, he's, he's found the next guy. Uh, if Mike Gundy were to do that same thing, they'd be like, oh, here we go. Another, another no star. So James Washington. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I find that's kind of interesting, but I think this 2022 class really does have the potential to be special for Oklahoma state, but it all is kind of depending on if they can get, you know, this, this current roster, if they can get a couple of those guys into the league, um, that way they have the, the spots available. When, what's uh, Georgia's timeline on, on commitment date? I haven't, let's, I've read so much on so many different guys. I don't think I've seen one for him yet. I, I okay. was it's able not to talk imminent to then. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't believe so. I was able to talk to uh, Aiden Shaw. Um, he took it on the state visit. He's the number 51 player in the class. Um, and he said that he wanted to commit before his senior year started. So sometime in August. So for, for some of these guys, things are going to start to pick up here pretty quick, but I don't think I've seen anything on when uh, Keontae George is kind of, I haven't seen a timeline for him quite yet. Well, what's exciting is even if Boynton misses out on the, the number five guy in the country, he's probably got like the number 20 guy on, on, on his speed dial. So that's, that's, what's fun about covering uh, recruiting for, for basketball these days. And Marshall, I'm fired up. You're right. Like back in the day, if OSU lost uh, Mike Cobbins, who Kyle Porter dubbed Mike Cobbins Chamberlain because like Travis Ford acted like they, they just, they couldn't win a game if Cobbins got into foul trouble because they didn't have another big man. So that times have changed with, with the roster that Mike Boynes assembled and it's exciting. I'm excited for football as well. And we appreciate you joining us, Marshall. Any final thoughts before we go? I don't think so. You just kind of piggybacking off of, of how much Mike Boynton likes to recruit. He he's new to Instagram here recently and he oh. posted on his, yeah, he posted on his story not too long ago of him, like before the AAU day started, it was like 6 AM and he was just sitting in an empty gym just like waiting for the AAU games to start. And he's like something about loving to being the first person there. It's like, nobody even sees that you're the first person there. Like you're just sitting in an empty gym. So it, it's really something that he loves. And I think that that's just really exciting for Oklahoma state fans to be able to kind of see things like that. Yep. So certainly I can't wait. I'm about to go give him a follow on, uh, on IG. So Marshall, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch back up with you before, Definitely before football season starts, I want to hear some some of your camp thoughts once fall camp gets going. We appreciate you joining us and filling in for Colby. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, that's Marshall Scott. We'll be back with uh, Colby Powell probably on uh, Saturday. He's going to be in D.C. through Friday, so we'll get back with him another Saturday pod uh, for your, your listening enjoyment. Uh, that's Marshall Scott. I'm Carson Cunningham. We'll catch back up with you later in the week.